I said, hey, man, listen, I, you know, I'm either going to go out on my own eventually and do my own thing or like maybe we can kind of wonder twins activate like form like Voltron and do something really awesome, you know, together, because otherwise we're just going to try to kill each other for the rest of our lives. Welcome to Drop the Disc. This week's guests, Alex Ware and Daniel Stewart from the Ware Stewart Marketing Company, whose office is just down the street from us on Broad Street. We wanted to work somewhere cool, and it might as well be on Broad Street so that we could walk next door to Stillwater and get a bar- and get a beer. It was not like a strategic real estate decision. It was honestly super stupid. We talked to them about their time leading up to creating their partnership and how they ended up deciding to join forces. There's some points like, how does anybody do it with a partner? Because you've got to be aligned the whole time. So you have to work at doing that. And if, and if you didn't have a partner, you could just do whatever the hell you wanted whenever you wanted to. But then number two, how does anybody do it without one? And some great client stories. I'm in a room probably about the size of this. Eight, eight or so people in the very top of this building in, in Buckhead in Atlanta. And he goes into the story about this awesome idea. And then he, when he finishes, he turns to me and he says, what do you think? And, you know, I'm dumb. So I just said, I don't know, man. That sounds like one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. Thank you guys for tuning in to this episode of the Drop the Disc podcast recorded at Augusta Podcast Studio. Thank you to Daniel and Alex for stopping by. They gave us some really cool Wear Stewart swag as well. And shout out to Sean Mooney who gets a mention in this episode. If you listen to this episode and you enjoy it, we really ask just tell a friend, give us a rating or review. All of those things help us to get found and grow. Uh, thank you to all the people and donors that came to the Augusta Rocks concert two days ago. We were able to raise $3,000 for the Salvation Army Center of Hope. We're really excited about that. Next concert will be released soon. And of course, this episode, like every episode, is presented by Nancy Powell of Powell & Associates. Uh, the real estate world is not the world that you want to go to alone and without all the information. Uh, you really want to pick somebody to be on your side who's been there before, has a great network, and is active in the community and stands for the same things that you stand for. Nancy Powell is that person and more. She's got your back and she's got a wealth of knowledge, whether you're investing, buying your first home for your family, selling, upgrading, downsizing. Nancy Powell would be my number one recommendation. Uh, Chris and I can personally vouch for her and we recommend you give her a call at Powell and Associates at 706-717-1281. Check her out at Downtown Augusta Broker on Instagram, on Facebook as Nancy Powell Realtor Broker of Powell & Associates. She's everywhere you look. She's the presenting sponsor of the Drop the Disc podcast, Nancy Powell, Powell & Associates. And just a little note, something to look out for this episode. Listen to Alex and Daniel and how passionate they are about the city of Augusta and the really, really cool projects that they've been able to be involved in around the city. Uh, There's also one quick disclaimer. We left a little bit of PG-13 language in uh, part of this episode. We took a lot out, uh, but there is at the end just one little PG-13 section, just a little heads up for all those who might be listening around children. Hey guys, I'm Chris. Hey guys, I'm David. And uh, we are Drop the Disc Podcast, and we have two special guests with us today. Uh, 
and they are I'm Daniel Stewart and uh, I'm Alex Ware and uh, does that mean y'all are Weir Stewart it does okay yes. it does <laughs> Na- name, naming naming the company Ware Stewart uh, I always like to ensure our clients is is the least creative thing very identical. we've ever done it gets way more creative after that it's good right. branding though so it's not Weir well, Stewart. It's Ware Stewart. It is. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that was one of the major problems of naming it that, is that <laughs> no one can spell or pronounce my last name, <laughs> even though uh, it's it's Ware, like the question, yeah. but it's always it's always pronounced Weir. Even early on, before the company was Ware Stewart, it was Warehouse, and that was a that was a yeah. big that was a big attempt to force proper pronunciation from people, but it it never worked. So, to those who haven't heard of Ware Stewart. Can you guys tell us a little bit about what you guys do? Some background on the company. Uh, sure. Yeah. So uh, Alex and I have been working together. It'll be 13 years this summer. Um, it's kind of an interesting backstory, which we'll probably get into in a, in a little bit. Right. We are we are basically a strategic creative firm. So we are just about a full service marketing and advertising agency. Uh, we like to say that kind of one of the final frontiers for us is uh, is PR. That's one kind of traditional element of a full service agency that, uh, that we tend to like to outsource more often than not, uh, for a variety of reasons. But, uh, we do everything from, uh, strategic positioning, uh, branding, marketing, logo design, brand, I, I said branding. We do branding. We do branding <laughs> twice. We like branding. <laughs> we do, we do branding twice, uh, rebranding, um, websites and all that kind of stuff. Digital marketing. Okay. Yeah. So uh, we're going to get into that in a lot of detail, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it because you guys are a very, very cool company when we peel back the layers. And we've, we've started drinking the beer. You got, so and the beer started. It's flowing. So let's go ahead and dive yeah. deep into y'all's lives. Right. So um, let, let's start with you, uh, Alex, just to pick one of you guys and start. Did you grow up in Augusta? Yeah, I'm from here. Um, I grew up in Augusta. I graduated from Richmond Academy. Um, then I went to Atlanta and, um, I started pre-med there. I back to back 52s on my first chemistry tests, <laughs> uh, changed my major several times. <laughs> it was art. It was journalism. I finally graduated with a degree in English. And then I lived in Atlanta for about seven or eight years. And you and went to Georgia state. I went to UGA. UGA. Oh, Athens, yeah. oh, okay. Um, and so then lived in Atlanta, like I said, for seven or eight years or something before moving back here. Because okay. I love it. Ooh. Awesome. And so <laughs> whenever you, you know, whenever you started school, you kind of mentioned that you were going pre-med. Now you're, I w- you're marketing, which I would say is a little bit different, markedly different potentially. Can you explain kind of how your situation changed as you went through school and went through work to, to kind of take you to marketing? Uh, yeah, well, my, my father was a physician and so it was like expected. It wasn't expected by him. I I don't think he really cared. Um, (laughs) but, uh, I mean, he, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't directing me into it or something, but it seemed like something that, I mean, I was fairly interested in because he did it. Um, and I was around it all my life. Um, but I think really getting up to UGA and being in Athens and all that sort of thing, I quickly realized that um, I was good at the stuff that I was interested in, and I was not good at the stuff that I was not interested Great in. Great lesson. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, chemistry and uh, fell into that category big time. <laughs> I really couldn't conceptualize it that well. 
Um, it was a lot of math. And I wasn't actually, I got a, had a rap as being bad at math. And I was pretty good at math. I just, I just didn't care. Mm. Um, you know, so going through UGA, I think, you know, things that were in my core, my GPA was probably, you know, decent, but things that weren't like geology, not so much. Sounds horrible. You know, so just was that a bunch of rocks? Yeah, geology. Yeah, rocks. my sister <laughs> yeah. is actually a geologist, so y'all better watch it. Go to a lab, Sounds scratch, scratch, uh, scratch a piece of dolomite. <laughs> record how hard it is. Wait, is dolomite? Scratch a piece of is that shit. real? No, do- yeah. dolomite is not an. Ex- oh do- yes, it absolutely so is. So dolomite is named after a yeah. gemstone. It's not a gemstone. It's just it's like a it's a type of rock. Like shale is a type of rock. Like dolomite, I, I, it, it might be. Are you sure? Um, yes, I'm positive. If there's anybody out here listening that thinks he's wrong, please DM us and let us know. Dolomite Man. is one of the softest whatever's you scratched with something that was harder than it in geology class. Are you call a dolomite soft. See, this is interesting because no, I want to know if the rock is named after dolomite no. or if dolomite. The rock is named after Dolomite. The another fun fact: the the rock existed before the movie character for sure. And because it was one of my favorite black exploitation movies, I was like, "Oh, that guy's named after like the rock." It's like <laughs> a nine on whatever scale, because I think it was low to high. I think like a diamond was like a one, like a ten was for something that wasn't. It was it, soft. Dolomite's like a nine. You said. So your favorite, pretty soft. your favorite class soft. was was Sounds not like that you one. Like geology, honestly, <laughs> no, yeah, just you missed your calling, man. <laughs> I I have a I have a very good memory, which is why I liked reading and history and things like that because I could just retain it, and I can't see an arc tangent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm, so I yeah. don't really get it. And um, I mean, geology was pretty straightforward, but that was a that was a small piece of the scientific pie at the time. So what do you do when you graduated? You went to Atlanta, but what, what were you doing? I went to Atlanta, and I interned at a um, small creative firm that a guy from here, Trip Bowden, um, he actually uh, he wrote a book called Freddie and Me about catting out of the U.S. National. He's a very interesting guy. You guys should talk to him sometime. Hurt. No, um, but he had a uh, he had a small firm, and I worked there for a while, and uh, and then I got laid off and like. 10 minutes later, the planes hit the towers, you mm. know? And so, you know, it wasn't in, in, in the parlance of today, advertising was not really essential workers as far as that goes. So, right. right. So that, uh, that started a long stretch of multiple gigs. Um, because that was a really good interview as you can tell right now, obviously. Right. I know this right. is coming across as such. It was a very good interview. <laughs> Um, so I think a lot of people hired me cause they liked me and then realized they, <laughs> they couldn't keep me on. Um, so I had, I had one year where I had, I had like five or six W2s in the same year when I was in Atlanta. Wow. Um, which was brutal. Um, so then I got tired of all that bull scratch and eventually <laughs> after I, I uh, lost the last time, I the last time, the last job I had in Atlanta um, I got, well, technically I got, my position got eliminated. I wouldn't say fired, um, because I was speaking a language that my mother and my aunt made up around two Dutch guys that refused to speak in English around me and the other guy that worked there. Um, so after, that, 
So, so after you're a that big one, corporate guy. They yeah. they loved you. They did. Now, you can't stop there. You have to tell. I was, you I was to good. Tell at, listen, I was story. good at my job. <laughs> I will try to tell this briefly. I mean, we got time, right? You Go, said yeah, it was yeah, going to yeah. be detailed. Go for it. So uh, I worked for these two guys named Carlo and Gillis, and they owned a big um, company where they would do these huge coffee table books for like giant municipalities. Like, you know, I did a, a coffee book for the city of Houston that was like 400 pages long, and they would get advertisers in it. And so they were like a publishing company. But these two guys would come in. First guys I'd ever seen drink Red Bulls. The first time I'd seen Red Red Bull, and this was like late '90s, um, before it was a thing. But they were Dutch. But they um, they would walk into a room and they would say like, "Blah blah blah, David." Oh, I was down with Chris. Blah blah, not Chris and David. And they would like say our names in, in front of us, right there. So we knew they were talking about us. You know, and very politely and professionally, I was like, "Hey." Carlo Gillis, we're right here. We're grown men. You know, if you got something to say, just say it. Just say it in English, in the language we can understand. It's not that big a deal. And they kept doing it over and over again. So my aunt and my mother had this language that they made up called alfalfa. Um, Alfandilfis, alfalfa, alfalfaikdilfis. Ralfite, Chris is krillfis, dalfavid. And you're just, you're, it's basically a little gibberish thing you do with syllables. Um, but if you can speak it and you can speak it fast, you just can't understand what's going on. So um, I told this other guy that worked with me, I taught him how to speak it. And I said, the next time these guys come in <laughs> and they speak about, talk about us in a language that we can't understand, we're going to talk about them in a language they can't understand. Uh, so they came in and they did it again. And, uh, excuse me. Um, and uh, so they start talking about me in, in front of me. And so I said, Hilfe. Dilfi stole for Scalfas or for Alphas whole falls. And and uh and they lost it. Like they totally freaked out and were like and they and like yelled at me um and then left the room. And then like 3 hours later <laughs> I got brought into their office and they had my, you know, whatever, my little release paper. And they had written, uh, like, reason for termination on it, and they had started to fill it out. And then they were so lazy that they just blacked it out and gave it to me. <laughs> and so I was like, and then circled, like, position eliminated, What's I guess, so I, so I could get unemployment or whatever, for, you know? Oh, yeah, but I was nice. like, what, what, what were you going to say there, Gillis? <laughs> what were you going to say? And he's like, ah, well. His hesitation while he was thinking of the word in English was at a certain moment. He's like, oh, at a certain moment, we just, you know, at a certain moment. And I'm like, no. What were you going to say? I spoke a language of gibberish in front of you or whatever. And anyway, then then security walked me out and uh, <laughs> took my parking pass. Jo then, <laughs> joke's on us. I bet Gillis has a yacht. In the I don't think he does. Right right? I bet he does. I've, I've looked. I've looked. For we gotta. Him. We gotta. Where are they now? Those guys. I've let's for bring them in. Let's bring them in. Let's settle the score. Let's 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 figure out there's, there's no, what was there's on no your score. termination. What were they papers. saying? That's I feel the like thing I won. Too. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea what they were saying. And then you um, moved to Augusta. Yeah, and then um, my <laughs> wife and I were yeah in this like friend's house in Atlanta. Yeah, because we had sold this little tiny place that we lived in, and we were looking for another place. And this was like, at the time, just, I mean, here's one thing I love about Augusta. There were houses in Atlanta that were like the size of the first one I bought when I moved here, and they were like $950,000. 
you know, and they're like 1,200 square feet. And you're Jeez. just like, there's no, like, what, what am I supposed to do with that? I just had a bunch of Dutch assholes fire me. I can't swing that. <laughs> um, so anyway, we were just like, at that point, I was like, I, I just want to go. And, um, and Courtney did too. And so I got a job here um, with Maybaum, actually, as their, I think, first ever, um, what was my title? I guess marketing director or something like that. Sounds right. And uh, did that for a couple years um, before breaking off. Had you guys met each other by this point? No, not when I was at Maymont. Okay. Well, let's let's pause here. Yeah. Let's swing it over to Daniel because you've been really patient, and and let's start with the question with you that we started with with Alex. Did you grow up in Augusta? Pretty much. So my family moved here when I was two or three years old from Cartersville, Georgia. So okay. yes. So yes. So yes. <laughs> yeah, that's why I've been yes. here a, a long time for sure. Yeah. Where'd you go to high school? So me and Alex, interesting, like, so we're, he's a few years older than me, so we kind of missed each other in school, but I went to Richmond Academy, go Muskies. Muskies. Uh, I went to UGA. Uh, yeah, and we, same, same. And we had, like, very similar backgrounds. It's funny, like, when we actually, you know, started going to lunch and having beers together and stuff, we were looking at each other like, oh, my God, like, we're, like, the same. Like, you grew up <laughs> skateboarding. Like, you listen to this kind of music. <laughs> like, the whole thing was, was, right. was lining up uh, really cosmically. Uh, but yeah, so I've only been fired three times, but it was all by the same person. It was my mother. I don't think technically, I, yeah, you got fired a lot by your mom. I think my position was eliminated <laughs> a lot. Did yeah. you? A lot. But how many times did you change your major? That's see. So my, I was a, uh, it, I was a housing major in the College of Family and Consumer Sciences. Back in that time, it was called the Housing and Consumer Economics College. Uh, and I remember pretty vividly sitting down with my, uh, guidance counselor and saying like two years in college, I was like, all right, here's, here's the deal. I need to get out of here <laughs> and I'd like to graduate and I cannot take a foreign language. I cannot take math. <laughs> what you got? And she, she, she plugged in geology. I took geology. What? I pretty, you know what? He was talking about the towers. So uh, <clears throat> I was walking to a geology test uh, on 9-11 when, when that happened. And so, like, I wow. mean, not to, like, completely derail this into, like, super heavy subject matter, uh, but we were talking about dolomite and geology, and that was kind of what popped into my head. But anyway, right. so I'm there with my, uh, my guidance counselor, and she pug plugs in, like, all the classes that I've taken – and and kind of what I can achieve. And she was like, well, you are still on track uh, to do this this housing major. Um, and I said, sign me up. Uh, I'm honestly super glad that I did, because since uh, graduating, I kind of took a probably a, a 10 year hiatus from uh, from the university, really just kind of only going to football games and stuff. And so I've reconnected with that college and been on alumni boards and, and kind of gotten back involved. Um, and in many ways, I kind of feel like they saved me a little bit because I was uh, uh, not a scholar. Mm. Um, I got a one six one semester. That's tough to do, honestly. Dude, not for me. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. I did get mono, not to brag, 
I got mono that semester as well, uh, which which kind of contributed to it. Uh, but yeah, so uh, multifamily real estate major, which is kind of cool for us because we have a lot of like commercial real estate so clients. So what, what do you want to do with that? So most people that were housing majors at that time were going to work for huge companies in Atlanta, like Post Properties, doing like do, building those or, obnoxious or, or dollars or entering the NFL draft. Oh. I did have a lot of football players in my classes. That's a fact. Um, Greg Blue, remember Greg Blue? Like he was, uh, he played for the Vikings. Oh yeah, um, yeah. He was a he was yeah. a, a partner with my with me on a, on a project. Um, part partner is a loose. <laughs> loose, uh, loose phrase. But he was on. Remember, uh, uh, the NFL used to do jacked up on Monday Night Football, and because of concussions and stuff, yeah, they, can't, yeah, yeah. they can't glorify that stuff anymore. But but Greg Blue was like a perennial. Like he was on <laughs> jacked up every week, dude. He was awesome. Represent. Yeah. So anyway, uh, housing majors would go into like multifamily, like leasing and apartment building, and 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 all that kind of stuff. Um, pretty good gig if you were getting into it mm-hmm. in around 2005. Which is when I graduated. That was when that category just absolutely exploded. So I think a lot of folks that were that were doing that when I was there, like, have been like ultra successful. Yeah. Um, I don't think I would have been very good at it. But I was about to say, where were you on that one? <laughs> sounds like <laughs> sounds like you missed a massive opportunity. I did not the first time. So so what did you do instead? When you graduated? So when I was 21, um, my parents for my birthday got me an Apple computer. And when my brother turned 21, he got to go to like Europe for a summer. He didn't lose the Hope Scholarship immediately. Okay. So I guess they were right. kind of like, that's what was left. A couple yeah. thousand bucks was left over, I guess. Currently a physician. Yeah. We're all very proud of John. <laughs> uh, he's doing great. So, um, so anyway, uh, uh, they they got me an Apple computer, and that was right when like the the uh, like the OS was released, right? right with uh, you know uh, you know GarageBand and design tools and all that kind of Are stuff. I, I think I have like that. The clear backs on them, or like the no, different it colors? was still it was flat, so it was like remember the big Mac Tower kind of things. Yeah. yeah, it was it was one of those. So I was I took art classes forever. Um, I was always described as like being creative or the class clown or something like that, and so. Um, to me, when I started making things on a computer, it was much more of a fit than art because I would get really frustrated making art. Like I could kind of draw, but it took too long. And if you made a mistake on a painting, you were screwed and you had to start all over. It was just too frustrating. And so making things on a computer was awesome because you could, you could save multiple copies of it and you could uh, work really fast and you could achieve uh, whatever was in your mind, uh, so much quicker, um, than, than traditional art sculpture or anything like that. So I kind of fell in love with it from, from that standpoint. I have, um, you know, I have very little patience and, and kind of a, kind of a big motor. So, uh, I like things to happen pretty quickly. Um, so I fell in love with graphic design just as a hobby. So what were you making? Like, were you just making stuff for yourself? I was making beats, son. What? Garage band. Dude, I was making <laughs> boots. Dan beats. I called them Dan beats. Dan beats. Yeah, we would listen to Dan beats. I think, you know, shout out to my roommates. Uh, we would have like late night raves on Dan beats. Uh, and I think a couple of our employees have like scoured our server and actually found a few. Yeah, I think some of the Dan beats I've heard sound like the soundtrack to like a game called Peasant's Quest or something. 
Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Nintendo sixty four. It's like it's like a it's like Nintendo meets Depeche Mode. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it was weird. I liked it. I had fun doing it. Uh, it was a creative outlet. Uh, so, um, kind of making things on the computer. Uh, I reached out to uh, a company that was here, a small company that did graphic design, and I said, "Would you please give me an internship so I could learn." Um, and I did that for a couple of years. I went to work uh, with uh, Jeff Haddon at Phoenix Printing okay, yeah. uh, for about a year. And and uh, and kind of around that time, me and Alex had struck up a competitive friendship um, in the market uh, via like the Addy Awards, which we just had last weekend. Um, That's right. Yeah. So so this kind of gets into how we how we got together. So I went to my first ever Addy Awards at my first job. And, you know, this dude was just winning everything. It was, it was pissing me off like crazy. <laughs> I didn't really deserve to feel that way because, like, I wasn't any good. And, and I was just like, I was like, I, I kind of want to be that guy. Like, I want to, you know, I want to go up there and get all the trophies. Um, so I worked day and night trying to get better at it and uh, got to know Alex a little bit uh, through that process and um, went to lunch one day um, probably two years after we had met and I, I said, Hey man, listen, I, you know, I'm either going to go out on my own eventually and do my own thing. Or like, maybe we can kind of wonder twins activate, like form like Voltron and do something really awesome, you know, <laughs> together because otherwise we're just going to try to kill each other for the rest of our lives. Um, and we spent, uh, we spent probably a year uh, God, man, our wives would kill us. Like, we'd talk on the phone, like, every night. My wife would be like, <laughs> uh, boyfriend's on the phone. Your boyfriend's on the phone. Your boyfriend's on the phone. Boyfriend. But anyway. Sounds like me and you, David. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, we know exactly. Kind of thing. Yeah, we know what you're I talking mean, about. Like, Why is he calling right yeah, now? Yeah, and, like, to his point, too, it's like we were, you know, that was the kind of feel each other out sort of point, and it was like we're very much philosophically aligned. Um, around what we want to do, basically, you know, basically kind of the same skill set. Um, you know, so that started to become an appealing idea. And then there was just, you know, there was just kind of the courtship that our wives would get all smartest pissy thing, at. Smartest thing we ever did. I talk to people all the time that go have a couple of beers with a guy and decide like, oh, we need to be in business together. And man, they have not thought it all the way through. Right. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, we have done... Plenty of stupid things in our business life, yes. but looking back at that at that kind <laughs> of year, kind of feeling each other out, asking ourselves the hard questions like, "Hey, you know, let's say we have money in the bank and somebody needs the money for surgery for their kid, like how would we handle that?" Right. Or, or you know, just kind of those heavy things that can come in between, you know, business partners. Certainly, when you're fifty fifty business partners, right? Mm -hmm. And so we talked about a lot of that stuff and, you know, lo and behold, over the last 12 years, several of those scenarios have come up. And if we weren't kind of on the same page with, with what we would do, like very early on, you know, it can be the kind of thing that can, that can, that can really screw you up. So, I mean, that's a, like a business owner piece of advice. Yeah. Like don't, I mean, don't, and just any advice actually is like, don't just fall in love and get married, like go to Vegas <laughs> and, and, and be in business <laughs> yeah. with somebody because like, as our wives will tell you, I mean, it, it's, it's a lot of dates. A, it's a second marriage. Oh, absolutely. I mean, sure. For sure. 
It's kind of interesting too because it was like and he I is was, nowhere near it, as good looking and charming as my wife, yeah. and vice versa too. So <laughs> like, there's definite downside. There is massive downside to this marriage. I got I got no argument there, but it was kind of like <laughs> you know I I was one of the things I did in Atlanta when I was unemployed was I was in a band and you know it, it was just this analogy. It was like at first it was great and we like wrote all these original songs and like we recorded like a little like six song album or whatever. Then what it's did, just what like you your, do? huh? What did you do? I played guitar and I sang. Um, and then, uh, he is just dumping on Dan beats right now. No, but I mean, this you want to, you want to hear, this is the difference in our age. <laughs> we, we, I was in an analog band and he was in, and he He's made beats on the computer. We got to get you on a gust of rocks, man. We got to get you on a gust of rocks. Yeah, <laughs> get me on a gust of rocks. <laughs> can can people listen to the music you made? Is it like in the world right now? Um, I'm sure it is. I don't think it's in the world. Like right when we we made it, I uploaded "Jumpstart Me Jesus" to MySpace. Did you? Okay, well then it is. Um, <laughs> Does MySpace exist? That was so? a long. Remember when they relaunched it for a minute, and uh, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, JT I think this it, might right? come back." Yeah, Timberlake JT was involved. Did it come back? Team Britney. Hang on, though. We can get back to this. I was trying to make a point. That's right. It, be, being in a band is like being married to like three people. Mm. And like, you know, in a, in a partnership, it's like another marriage. So there are kind of two things about it. Like, is one is, you know, I don't know how anybody, there, there, there's some points like, how does anybody do it with a partner? Because you have to have, you've got to be aligned the whole time. And so, transparent. Yeah, and you got and you you have to work at doing that. And if and if you didn't have a partner, you could just do whatever the hell you wanted whenever you wanted to. But then number two, how does anybody do it without one? Because there's so many crucial decisions, heavy and things and matter. things that and things that you just really need to be to talk to somebody and be like, what the fuck are we gonna do about this? Sorry, were you marking my yeah. curse? Um, absolutely. You know, that I've just thought about, you know, if you were, if you were rolling solo, I, who would you, I mean, who would you even talk? Cause yeah, I mean, that's scary. You know, it's funny you say that because my wife, Audrey will sometimes say, you just talked to David. Why are you calling him on the phone? It's because <laughs> you don't want to hear about it and you wouldn't understand. <laughs> right. So it's, it's nice to have that partner in a business. Hey man, you said it, not me. You yeah. said it, not me. I it's all good. Audrey doesn't listen, so yeah. we're good. I can't, I can't. <laughs> we can say whatever we want. Well, the same thing is like, oh, my wife didn't listen to my band. Uh, she didn't care. Yes. Hey, li listen, uh, one of the... <laughs> what? It's like people that have a pool no, don't it's swim No, it's true. It's true. You know? Like the hardest person to impress. It's like, yeah, we won a bunch of awards. We did all this stuff. It's nice. So... So take so. out the trash. You going to unload the dishwasher, yeah. <laughs> but you can't, and you don't, listen, you, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> I mean, I think one of the things that's great about a podcast is, is people can listen to what you guys got to say and what we have to say, and they can sort of relate to it because, and a lot of times if you're doing your own thing or you just have, you know, particular aspects of your situation, it, you can't unload it to, your buddy doesn't want to hear you right <laughs> unpack the backstory right. around you know why Chris thinks this way <laughs> right and you think that way <laughs> and what should he do about it i mean you just those things all got to get handled between the two of you and like you said that takes a lot of a lot of uh you know transparency is a good way to put that stick around you're listening to Alex Ware and Daniel Stewart 
at Augusta Podcast Studio. This is Drop the Diss, and here's Chris with a quick message. Those of you that listen to this podcast weekly, you know that Savannah River Brewery is a friend of the show. Not only are they a friend, but they've been sponsoring this awesome podcast for the past year and a half and providing incredible beer for Augusta, Georgia. One thing that I want to talk about that y'all might not know, they've started these run clubs on Sundays at 12.30 p.m. It's about a three-mile run, but they also encourage anybody to any any pace walking, run walking. I know if I was in it, I'd be walking. But if you are part of this community, after running your three miles or walking your three miles, you'll get the first beer on Savannah River. Check them out. That's every Sunday starting at 12.30 p.m. Guys, they're doing incredible things in the community, and this is just one of the many things. Check them out, Savannah River Brewing Company. So you guys mentioned that you're doing a courting period for a little while. When when was this? That would have been 2007. It would have been, yeah. No, 2007, 2008, yeah. I, you know, this sounds horrible, <laughs> but we can't ever really decide when this business started. Remember that comment and about having pretty, an awesome memory? I, I me, do. Well, no, 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 no. Let me add a little color to that. Look, if, if, if <laughs> I, if he I, gets if almost I, everything 90% right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if he meets the Jessica, it's Jennifer. That's pretty dang close. <laughs> Dolomite, also known as Dolostone and Dolomite Rock, is a sedimentary rock comprised primarily of the mineral Dolomite. Dolomite is found in sedimentary basins worldwide. It is thought to form by the post despositional alteration of lime mud and limestone by magnesium rich groundwater. Imagine if I That's made that the introduction. Geology.com. <laughs> wow, it's a soft rock. Also <laughs> translated Beowulf. And that comes True. in handy so much. I bet. Never. That was <laughs> so, one of those things you did at like, you know, when you were an English major and you had to satisfy, you know, however many pre eighteen hundred credits. You just translated Beowulf. Yeah. I took poetry science at Georgia. Birds of our lives. Is it called birds of our lives? Yeah. It's poultry science, <laughs> birds of our lives. What was the name of the um, simpler times, man? Did you <laughs> take also kind of hard? I got to be. Did you take the uh, entomology class? No, I took history of rock and roll. Yeah, I took that one. There was an entomology class. Also kind of hard. Got to be. <laughs> there, was an en- there was an entomology class, which is the study of insects and it was like the guy comes up and the first thing he shows you, there's like 350 people in the class. First thing he shows you is an article from Spy Magazine, which I don't think exists anymore, of the top like 10 crib courses in the United States. And entomology at UGA is like number two. Open books, open notes. But it, I think it had like a cool subtitle like that. <laughs> and the guy was just awesome. The insects of our lives. The insects of our lives. Insects. Great. So you guys started this company approximately 2007, 2008. Yeah. So this, and this is where I don't know the exact, the, the, so I, I came out of Maybaum and started my own deal. It was just me. When did you do that? Um, it was sometime, I think, (laughs) I think my daughter was one and my son was (laughs) like just born. It was 2005. When you yeah, that, I, think. I had very little kids, which because what was <laughs> what was very cool is that I had this opportunity and um, and my wife, I was like, should I do it? Because, you know, 
And she was like, yeah, you should totally do it, which was shocking to me because I thought she would have been like, no, too risky. We need, we need some security up in here. Yeah. But she was for it. Um, so, so when you did it. this, what were you doing? Um, I, I was, I got, I was able to sign up, um, a, a client big enough to leave. They actually wanted me to come work for them, but rather than to work for them, I kind of signed them on as a client and it was just, I mean, that's how most of them Classic start. start. Yeah. It's like you get one and you can be like, well, I can, I can, I can live off $20,000 <laughs> until, I, until I, you know, expand this a little bit right, or right. whatever. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those. And then I, you know, for me, because I was an English major and like Daniel, I taught myself how to design. So, um, generally, a you know, a creative set back in the day was copywriter and a designer. And so I and a copywriter just for the people at home. It's not like a lawyer. It's no, like no, a person no. yeah, that it's writes, like, writes like, co- like write the headlines and write, right. the, write the, you know, what the brochure says and, and all that kind of stuff. So I could do that, which was good. So, you know, it was good enough to do kind of both pieces. And, you know, I was out there, I was able to support myself. And then like, you know, like D was saying, um, he was just doing really good stuff too. And it was like, okay, well, you know, we did, it was like a, a mutual admiration. Um, so because you, you were, you were by yourself for three, two and a half, three years. Yeah, for like, I think, I think for right at three. And that was warehouse. Like that. that was warehouse. Gotcha. Warehouse. Um, Spelled like your last name. Then. Yeah. W-I-E-R. Smart. I before E. Perfect situation. Still didn't matter. No one Still can say it. But um, <laughs> it uh, we wouldn't be talking to each other if I didn't get a twelve hundred dollar check in the parking lot of the Wasabi Express on a uh, on like one Wednesday because it was it, like if I didn't get that it was over. So I mean it was <laughs> it was close. Um, but anyway, uh, like we said, we got together and started talking about it, and you know philosophically aligned um always very realistic about basically keeping everything back in um back in the business and and trying to be very light yeah and, and mm-hmm. very liquid yeah I and mean we've we've invested back in the business over and over and over again and you know when 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 I came on um you know almost a year to the day after and I remember it because I got I got married like I got uh, I, I got married the day after my honeymoon. I went to work at Phoenix Printing, and then the day after my one-year anniversary, I went to work at Warehouse. And my first day of work, Alex left to go to the beach. <laughs> so, so I was. I've been this, working hard, man. I needed a break. I was I was in this <laughs> office by myself, which was like awesome but terrible for him because it left me to my devices for a week by myself. So I basically completely overhauled. Uh, how job numbers and job tickets and how like the file management system was set up. And he came back a week later and I was like, uh, all right, uh, this is how we do this now. And it was pretty much a sign of things to come, sign of things to come, but uh, you know, worked out pretty well. And we were, you know, we were set on being a, a creative firm, a graphic design studio and being warehouse for forever. I mean, that wasn't, um, it wasn't part of, the original plan to rebrand and become, uh, Oh, yes. Perfect. 
So it wasn't part of the original plan to rebrand to become Wear Stewart uh, several years down down the road. Uh, it was part of the plan that I wanted to own it, um, and I wanted to be a partner and, and that kind of thing at the at the beginning. So, you know, that was known. And one of the the main reasons for for the rebrand and you know, kind of you know, tossing my name onto it was we were lucky enough three four years into working where we were going from doing brochures and doing you know, stuff related to the music industry and more of a graphic design thing to, and we were kind of known as like, you know, the, the jokey, but very creative, um, you know, guys in the, the board of education building, which is where we were working on heckle street. <laughs> and, uh, it was kind of rad. It had an old safe in it. It was cool. Like an old vault. That's pretty cool. So yeah, we, but we, we painted had, it yellow. We had these crazy opportunities happen uh, via like folks that we had met through the Addy Awards and stuff where we were doing graphic design that didn't have a ton of gravitas or wasn't for huge organizations or industries. And uh, one in particular, I remember, you know, a hospital called and they were opening up a heart and vascular institute and they really needed campaign ideas. And they said, man, we are in a bind. We need some ideas in like a week. Um, can you do it? And we were like, hell yeah. And we did it for like nothing. <laughs> and it ended up being really good work. And then all of a sudden, we go from being a graphic design studio that did good work to a graphic design studio that was trusted by a hospital mm. to do good work. Right. And that's like just a a level of, of maturing. And, and so that thing started happening over and over again. So the, the sophistication that the company was, was able to provide and, and the size that we got, I think we were eight to 10 people when, when we rebranded. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm, I just remember going to that point with a, a guy that, um, this is before I started my own deal and, uh, the guy balls like crazy. I'm on his plane. Um, and I, and I was like, how do you, how do you get the plane? You know? And the guy was like, you just keep your head down and you just do really good work, you know? And it was like, okay, well, that makes sense. And so, you know, kind of the more you've tried to just, you know, produce excellent stuff, the more that um, people would ask you for other things, you know? So, oh, you can do this? Well, what about this? And then, right. of course, you say yes. You know, you're like, sure. So yeah. so when y'all are warehouse, mm -hmm. were y'all, were your clients local or were they everywhere throughout the southeast or was it grander than that it was probably mostly local. They were, yeah they um, were almost pretty much totally local okay i think well at how some at, at what point did it become not just local it's very weird how that works because we've had times where like we had a couple years where we did tons of stuff in new york um it's it's just kind of how your name gets around the campfire and who's like putting you out to other people. Right. And then we had another thing where this guy, this high powered executive in um in Atlanta just kind of adopted us as his like little he he loved us as we were his, like his, his little we were like his pet. His little kind of <laughs> his little kind of redneck idea boys because like in one of the first meetings he asked us about what I think he asked Daniel specifically about like what he thought about this oh, he idea. He, he, he had. went into this ten minute story about this great idea that and he has in front of all of his like all of his yes men. I'm mm. in a room probably about the size of this, eight eight or so people in the very top of this building in, in Buckhead in Atlanta. 
And he goes into the story about this awesome idea. And then he, when he finishes, he turns to me and he says, what do you think? And, you know, I'm dumb. So I just said, I don't know, man, that sounds like one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. <laughs> and like all of his like, yes, men buddies were like, and, but like, he like lit up and he was like, tell me why. And I gave him a few good reasons to why maybe he should do this instead of, instead of that. And I went back down the elevator. I mean, it was 30 something floors <laughs> and I was like, well, that didn't work out. <laughs> and I got back in the U-Haul, which I had rented so that I could get some crappy Ikea furniture for our office that, that weekend. <laughs> Perfect. And went back. And then like two weeks later, I get an email from this guy. This dude's a CEO of like a publicly traded company. And he emails me out of the blue. He's like, I want to, I want to meet with you again. And we did so many, but we launched the first country radio station in like 25 in years New York, in New yeah. York City. That wow. was cool. We had like billboards in Times Square and did this big. That was very interesting too because we did like a, there was a, con- a three night concert at the um, Roseland Ballroom. Roseland Ballroom. Very cool. And we RIP is gone. It's not there anymore. Yeah, we were in there one day <laughs> because they had run out of VIP uh, credentials. And so we were having to run down to oh, like right. the. Um, right. This is this is how sexy uh, yeah. the the owning a creative firm job is. We're in New the York for this Max or something, oh print, printing them out. Yeah, we're in a Manhattan like Office Max, laminating stuff, burning the ends of our fingers. <laughs> but the cool part was when we came back to the Roseland Ballroom, Lady Annabellum was playing that night, and the Today Show was in there interviewing them, and uh, we saw them. And uh, we know he went to school with Charles, and I know I'm better friends with his brother, but I know who he is. And he turned around, and we were like, "Hey, man, what's up, <laughs> Augusta? Represent?" And they were like, "And they were like, what are you guys? two rednecks doing here?" And I was like, "Well, we know what you two rednecks are doing here. What? <laughs> That's yeah. pretty neat. That was cool. <laughs> that was cool. Then we met Geraldo. That was okay. the same trip. Geraldo is extremely cool. Yeah, he is." Who is Geraldo? Thank you. Geraldo, Geraldo Rivera? Rivera? Oh. <laughs> I'm Dude, not, Geraldo I, is I'm not a, on a first name oh, basis. Sorry. Okay. Geraldo yeah. is. He's Mr. He's, New York. you got to be kidding me. Dude, he's like an OG of like, like radio and talk show. But a Geraldo, that's so like cool. Madonna, though. It's like he only, he gets by with just a first name. We were, I agree, we were totally ready for Geraldo <laughs> to be a major <laughs> and and we were there at like 10 a.m. We had done this project for him, and we're waiting. He's recording his radio show, and we're waiting in there 10 a.m. He finally, they let us into the room after he signs off, and he's got these red, like, uh, like actual, literal, rose-colored glasses on. <laughs> the he's round wearing, he's, hippie he's ones. He's wearing a T-shirt that says Wisconsin Mom <laughs> on it, and he cracks a few Coors Lights for us at 10 a.m. and was like, do you indulge? And we're like, yes, sir. Uh, and we just had a beer with him, and he was like, hey, guys, like, where did you go to school? Like, what are you into? And he was super interested that was the lesson I learned from Geraldo. He was very interested in you. You know, that's why you're like, God, this guy's cool. Because he's, <laughs> he was he's probably, talking to me about me. He's like, hey, UGA, huh? Yeah. Oh, Herschel Walker. I don't know what he said, but, you know, it yeah. was like. He was also, he was, he was, he was probably roasted. He was, definitely, he was definitely roasted. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the year is 2015, 20, where are we right 2021 now. now. When are we in your story? <laughs> All right. So okay. Um, so we were talk. We were talking about the. We were talking about the rebrand from warehouse. To that's Ware right. Stewart, that's right. right. 
And so when did that happen? So that happened in 2011, I believe. Okay. And it coincides with us opening up, which yeah. is now our headquarters on Broad Street. On Broad Street. Okay. So we always we always knew that we wanted to be downtown, and uh, you know, in in you know, downtown was kind of coming back. I mean, obviously there were downtown pioneers like, uh, you know, Barry Blackston and Coco Rubio, yeah. you know, guys that are opening up the soul bar <clears throat> in 1996 and, right. and, and putting those, those things back there. And, um, and even in 2010, 2011, you know, downtown wasn't growing at the clip that it is right now. We just knew that we wanted to work somewhere cool and it might as well be on Broad Street so that we could walk next door to Stillwater and get a bar and get a beer. Right. It was not like a strategic real estate decision. It was honestly super stupid because we took every penny to our name and we put a down payment on a building like net worth to zero <laughs> to buy to buy this building. But you bought the building. We bought the building. Yeah. Uh, we, we renovated it and on the, um, I think the day of demolition, we kind of revealed to the rest of the company, which was six or seven other people, our intentions to, um, to rebrand, to wear Stewart, kind yep. of the, the next evolution of a, a little bit more of a sophisticated, more of a full service kind of marketing and advertising so agency. Before you guys go on on that, mm -hmm. I, I, you guys were moving to downtown and, and you're kind of growing your business. What was the landscape of the marketing business in Augusta like at that point? Um, I mean, there are good firms here. I mean, was it and like really competitive? Them. Like, how how was it to work in in that like in that? I, I think I luckily, I think luckily we for us, super there's competitive. I mean, we were. <laughs> we were. I don't think that's what he was asking. No, but, I I want your genuine like like. You know, we've talked to, you know, Stephen Moore, who talks about when he opened Indian Queen, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. the restaurant community was approachable. Like you could go talk to anybody in any business and they would kind of give you advice. Yeah. Um, you guys are kind of pioneers in one way because your firm got holistic. It was it was like doing everything. Uh, but how, how was that community? Well, I don't think, I don't think we can take credit for, for doing that. I mean, I think that, um, you know, I, as far, as far as I know, going back to the late eighties, early nineties, you know, Mark Allison was kind of the OG of, of marketing in this town, um, you know, with the, with the Allison group. And so he had kind of a, a firm, um, you know, I, dedicated that was, that was here. I swear to God, if Linda Motto ever listens to this, I, I, I swear <laughs> I came and I interviewed with them. When I wanted to move back to Augusta and I didn't get the job. A uh, great, great interviewer, I, as we've heard. Great and I, and I, I know a great interviewer. And, I, and I've, I told Linda that. I'm like, I swear. And she's like, I don't remember it. And I was like, I know. I sat <laughs> did in you, that office. Did you, did you interview with Linda and she dissed you? I think so. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> shout what I'm out, Shout out Linda. And I love, Ooh, and respect. I love Linda. But I mean, like she was, like if you talk about the landscape of it then, like she yeah. was great. I mean, she was like the best designer in this town at that time. So Probably. a lot of a, a lot of uh, a lot of marketing firms are uh, are built on the like the media buy model, where it's kind of uh, media buy first, mm -hmm. um, and and uh, that means like TV, radio, yeah, that kind of stuff. TV, radio. So um, it it makes a lot of sense for folks that are kind of in the media industry to to break out and and start an agency, um, you know, which is great. We did it backwards, not because we were smart. 
we didn't know how to do the other side. So we knew the creative side. We knew how to get mm-hmm. paid for the creative and the design. Right. And we didn't know the 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 ins and out of, of the media industry in that time. And we've we've since kind of backed into to being able to do that part, which has been awesome for us because it helps kind of protect um, the integrity of, of the creative in a lot of ways where uh, you're not beholden you know, only to um, to whatever a client's media bu- budget is. It just gives us the flexibility and a little bit of the freedom freedom to to try to make uh, creative um, real the creative and the message really the most important thing. But anyway, going back to your question about the, Sorry, la- yeah. the landscape, well, I mean that. To, but to that point too, I think it was just interesting because I, I mean we almost kind of backed into it because we didn't know how to do all that stuff. And I think traditionally what you would do is you have, you have the creative aspect of it, but the really big ad agencies, which is still true today, they just sell a bazillion dollars of media. So I don't know your Coca-Cola, you spend a million dollars on creative, but then you spend $150 million on putting it on every billboard and TV station and on the internet and all that kind of stuff. And everyone was taking a cut of that and that's how they made their money. But we didn't know how to do any of that. <laughs> So, so the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that we could do, you know, is is make your brand or something and pass that and be like, oh, and you were really good at it. Yeah, over over, you know, since we've been together, you know, one of the coolest things about you know more uh, companies and agencies that do something kind of similar to what we do popping up, all that means is that our community is embracing creative and appreciating ideas and design and uh, are stepping up their game and and a small business owner understands that hey maybe actually investing in a visual identity a brand a logo a website that that doesn't look like I got my nephew to cobble it together in the basement is a valuable thing and uh, in terms of being like a medium-sized market you know people say oh you know we're we're 10 years behind Atlanta or we're 10 years behind so-and-so I'll never forget we got the first sushi restaurant in town and it was like, oh, we're 10 years behind on, on sushi. <laughs> but I mean, there's, there, is some, there is some truth to that. So the exciting thing for everyone that's in advertising and marketing or creative or anything in this town is uh, business owners um, and in-house marketing teams and that kind of thing are every day valuing what we do more and more. So the opportunity and so you asked the question, right? So are your clients in Augusta or are they elsewhere? Right. Um, and the, so that 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 kind of ebbs and flows. Uh, sometimes it's 50% out of town and 50% in town. Sometimes it's 80% in town. It just kind of, it kind of moves like that. Um, I don't think that it's special to have out of town clients. We love our out of town clients, but there is so much good work and great companies and great people in Augusta where you don't have to wear... We, most of our work is in New York and Atlanta is like a badge of honor. I mean, listen, we work with some of the coolest companies in Augusta that companies in Atlanta would love to work for. Right. You know, so it always struck me as weird when, um, when folks in whatever industry, whether it's marketing or whatever, uh, brag about a client like in a, in a bigger town. And it's like, Hey, you know, that there are, are really, uh, awesome and cool companies in our own town. And you might as well, want to work with them you don't want them to work with anybody else right yeah, but i mean a, a bunch of that is legacy though because it used to be hard to do it you know i mean like when we started it used to be 
you know, it's, it's tough to have clients out of town cause you can't service them. You can't be around them, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And like, especially now, you know, COVID, I guess. Right. It really underlined mm-hmm. that as like, now if there was any kind of trepidation about you not physically being able to be around those people, um, it's, it's no longer a deal, but we've, we also have some awesome, awesome out of, you know, clients that are eight hours away that we've had for seven, six, seven, eight years, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. We'll be right back for more of this conversation and talking about some really, really cool projects that where Stuart has been involved with. But before we do that, there's something else that we want to talk to you guys about. You know, this episode has a lot of features where we're talking about business development. We're talking about growing a small company and serving the entire country and potentially even more. And that's what they're all about at the clubhouse. Uh, The clubhouse is a partner of ours. They are a downtown physical location where you can create a co-working environment, but it's a little bit more than that. They have networking, they have events, they have abilities for uh, interactions between different founders. They do tech classes and have resources like a 3D printer. It's a really great facility and they have more and more coming all the time. Check them out at theclubhow.se. That's the clubhouse. Put the period before the SE. Check out makestartups.com and find the clubhouse on social media to keep up with all the stuff that they have going on. I've, I've got to ask a question. We, when, you, when y'all introduced yourself, y'all didn't say your role in the company. And we're, we're now at We're Stewart. And so I'm curious what we're Daniel here. does. Sorry. It's such a bad habit. I, listen, when I, I mean, said, I, I, I'm my, picturing... my dad eventually just gave up and say, you know, we're Every, everybody, however you Stuart spell it, we're, right. yeah. we're now at Where Stewart. And uh, I'm curious, what are y'all's roles in the company? Well, are y'all both creators? Are y'all, does one do the business side? We're, we're both creators. And, and I mean, the interesting thing is we can, we can both do both of it. But when we got to a point, um, I don't know. It's probably about the time that we moved into the building on broad and we were just like, we're duplicating effort. Right. You know, we're do we're, we're, we're kind of both doing some of the same things on all of the stuff. And, and really for us to be able to progress, one of us is going to have to focus on biz dev operational stuff, you know, and one of us is going to have to sort of focus on management of the creative. How yeah. did you guys choose that? I mean, it's, it's personality based. I mean, yeah. the, 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 and, and there's pros and cons to both of our personalities, honestly, like the, w- w- when we got together, we thought we were the same guy and we are the same guy from a value standpoint, but our styles, uh, the, the older we get and the longer we work together, our styles are, I mean, sometimes really drastically different. Um, so it's like the yin yang, right? So the right. little white side has the black dot and the black side has, has the white dot. And, you know, I, as, as, as difficult as that can be sometimes, I always look at like, like sole entrepreneurs, like people that own a business by themselves and they don't have, uh, they don't have that other side of the yin yang to bounce ideas off of and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, when it, when it came to deciding like someone has to do, uh, the, the business operations part, biz dev or whatever it is. And someone has to do creative. It, 
it was not much of a debate. Like right. who do, who does who does what? Um, I'm more ner- neurotic than Alex is. Um, it's he, a fact. he is he is he is much more take it easy, go with the flow than I am. I'm just and older. I'm, I'm I'm mellowed. Yeah, and I'm kind <laughs> of a maniac. And uh, you know, um, you know, good things and bad things with that. Um, so it it made sense, um, you know, to do it that way, but. You know, I still want to be involved with the creative. Alex still wants to be involved in the the business decisions and and the direction that we're going as a company, and we right. both are. But I tell you, man, at twenty five people, with the amount of clients that we have, we have a sister company, Show Pony, that we help run. Um, you know, it, it it will we can go days or weeks, and Alex, ha- we haven't sat down and had a beer together or lunch or anything, and he's like, hey, this is what's going on in the creative. Yeah, this is nice. He's going on in the creative <laughs> department, and I'm like, holy sh- really? Like, when were you going to tell me about that? And I'll say, like, oh, by the way, we, like, started this new initiative. Like, uh, with, we're, we're, we're bringing on a new service line. And he's like, huh? Like, you know, so, uh, I mean, it'd be just like you guys. Like, one, one guy's going to have to maintain the integrity of the original podcast and make sure it's great and make sure you have guests. Somebody else is going to have to try to, you know, get people in here to, right. to be recording their podcast and get it sponsored and get it out there. And you just, you know, at one point it's like, well, it, it, it makes more sense uh, for us to specialize right. than it does for us to both kind of do everything because then somebody can really have ownership of, 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 of a certain thing and, and really get better at that than Absolutely. being and, good at everything. And the part that we don't do anymore for both of us, we, we miss the least, Right. So that's um, important. So they're, they're, they're like just kind of boring business aspects, things that Alex doesn't miss. And there are, you know, certain things with the creative side that I don't miss as much. And if you flipped it, it, I think it would be, it would be a problem kind of, you know, based on it. So I I think that uh, it's, it's, it's definitely the, the, the split that needed to happen because when we did it, we grew like crazy. Right. I mean, it was like 2016. We, we like doubled our size. Wow. Uh, you know, so it, it, it like a lot of things happened really quick. Um, you know, so <laughs> I always say, I always go back to, uh, we're, we're making like 51% good decisions. And as long as we're making more good decisions than bad decisions, we're probably going to be okay. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, I think we got a pretty good track record, to get that, track record of that. Sometimes it's 80% good decisions. That's a good year. Sometimes yeah. it's 51. <laughs> and that was 2019. <laughs> so, so on that note, from, from that 2016 till up to now, how, how can you kind of take us through the company's growth? Yeah, I mean... Uh, or so, ups and so downs. One, one they, there was a one there was like a conscious decision of, you know, hey, if we're gonna if we're gonna do this, we're getting. I mean, it's just kind of reacting to the market. Like we're getting asked for different things, and we and and you know we get asked three times for something that we don't do, um, you know, that we see has you know some upside in terms of like a revenue stream. It's like well, can we get somebody um, that knows how to do that? And, you know, and can we start 
a, a division or something. It was like, it was like media buying. We just, we got asked to do it so many times and we didn't know how to do it. We had to go out and find somebody that knew how to do it. Um, I, I bought a lot of pest control billboards and, yeah. and, and regional TV spots that I probably had no business doing. Right. <laughs> and then, and then you get, you know, and send that. So as you start to get asked about, you know, expanded services, you, you, you do those things and then, you know, eventually you have to have someone to kind of manage them. Right. I mean, I think it was very interesting that like we, one of the things we talk about and we go to talk to people about, you know, we would put it, if we could get back in the DeLorean and go back in time and like tell right. you what not to do. Yeah. Um, these are the kind of things it's like, we didn't hand, we didn't hire anyone. Um, to that, deal. That, I feel like that's a way, that's a, much better model for like a, a conference. If there are two breakout sessions and one guy's breakout section is I'm going to tell you everything to do. And the other guy's is I'm going to tell you everything not to do. Oh yeah. I'm going to the second guy's right. breakout. Right. 100% of the time. Right. So you would say we shouldn't hire anyone to do our billing because we don't get paid to do billing. You know what I mean? But really when you hire that person, it frees you up to do more work to get paid for or to figure other things out. And it took us a while to figure that out. So we just hire like another designer, another designer, another designer, another designer without, you know, kind of admin stuff. Like the support staff type thing. Well, it's, it's opportunity yeah. cost. So, yeah. so, you know, you know, like, like it or not, you know, where we sell time. Right. And, uh, you know, the, what it takes to, to do things is incorporated into fees and kind of everything else. And so the, the, the bigger you get and the busier you get, some of that stuff can get under a microscope when you're trying to figure out efficiencies and are you charging enough and, um, you know, well, that, that kind of thing. And you really start to think about like your day. Well like, then am I doing something right. that, that, that anyone else can do? And should I be spending my time doing only what I can Well do? then, and I think we did a lot of like conscious, like, okay, we're going to, we're going to hire people because we don't really have agency. I'm making the quote marks for those of you listening to him. We don't really have, of you. we don't really have a lot of agency experience. You know what I mean? Daniel and I, so you get to a certain size and you're like, I, I don't know how people deal with like traffic or I don't know how people deal with these certain things. So, you know, we kind of made a decision. We're like, we're going to try to hire, you know, a couple high level people that, you know, come with, you know, come with this kind of knowledge. Right. Um, and I think that was a big part of the growth is that, you know, we said, all right, we're going to, we're going to hire this person who, you know, was from an agency in Atlanta. We're going to hire this person that was a marketing director here or there. And we're going to, and we're going to get some really high level people that understand how an agency works because we were just kind of creatives coming up. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a, and I think that was a very big part of it. Um, because then you start looking at how you support that model and, and, you know, and kind of building out from there. So, uh, actually, and we've had Sean Mooney on, speaking of kind of building the company yeah. and talking about Showpony. <laughs> how did that happen from you from you guys' perspective? How did Showpony, for the people that may not have listened to that episode, it was like two years ago, go check it out. But, so, like, <laughs> what is Showpony? Yeah. Uh, to anybody it al that It didn't. also didn't sound as good as this episode. This and <laughs> it wasn't in this studio. Sorry, Sean, come back. I think um, I did that in our office. Yeah, yeah we, we did. did. Yeah. yeah, we did. Uh, yeah, so uh, I love I love Mooney. 
But good Lord, <laughs> if he would have tried to negotiate his hiring one more time. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he flew so, oh, he was he Apollo. He flew so like, close to the oh sun, it was God. crazy. So, <laughs> this, of course, you know, is, I, Mooney is so good, he knows all of, like, the things. That that like I don't know. Oh, the tricks. Like when you walk, like, you well, like just, when you, you walk on to an airplane to a to somebody. <laughs> I never knew. On the plane. Yeah, I never knew you could do this <laughs> until the first flight I went on with Mooney, and we were going somewhere for business, and he he took off his sports coat and he handed it to the to the flight attendant, <laughs> and they hung it up, and I was like, what the which fuck I thought is that? was the cockiest <laughs> yeah, shit I was I'd like, ever seen. I was like, God, you look like such a tall. And he's like, No, it's a thing. They do it. And and so meanwhile, I'm I'm sitting here like some broke mofo with my my jacket in my lap, or I'm wearing it, and I'm sweating and getting all wrinkled on it. And he just walks out and gets it back. But he's great at that stuff. He's gonna be so mad when he hears that. No, so he thinks it's funny. I talk to him about it all the time. How he almost didn't make it because he was he was just killing me on his on the on the back and forth on getting hired. In the anyway, so that's, that's why it makes him great. So we do a bunch of logo design, right? Right. Um, branding, that kind of thing. Right. And so at the end of your branding project, you got to make stuff. Right. Um, and so that's everything from printed collateral, business cards, letterhead. That and the, kind of and thing. the best way to make something final is to make something. Oh, yeah. Right. Some it, people say, oh, we love our logo, but then you print put it, it on something. It's th- over. They will never come back and ask for so, a revision again because it has occurred in real life. Yeah. Pro tip. Um, and so, uh, we would, you know, we would handle all the printing and all that kind of stuff and we would hand off our clients, you know, their files for logos to go put it on whatever hat, shirt, pen, koozie, cup, whatever. And we just started noticing years ago, I mean, 10 years ago that this beautiful logo that we made walking down the street on the most God awful hat we'd ever seen. (laughs) And we'd be like, Oh my God. It'd be like, if you, it'd be like, if you gave up your kid for adoption and then you saw him walking down the street in like really crappy clothes and you're like ah, i mean that's a weird metaphor yeah it was <laughs> that's like, a weird metaphor but, but like you know, I, I am following you want yeah. to you want you want to protect the brand getting it applied incorrectly getting it so, applied to really super cheap right. bad looking so, stuff so i right. said man we got to bring this in house and um well what had happened is we had lauren yeah Coward, so we, so we brought lauren with on. us and lauren mm-hmm. We hired her as a, a designer, but she also knew how to do that. So, like, run an agency? No, no, no. How, no, no, no. Like how to, how to like do the, merch? The, the merch and promotion. Gotcha. She knew, gotcha. she knew how to do merch stuff. And, okay. and like, there's there's a whole. You have to have an understanding of how that works because it's it, that's a really crazy industry but, to be good at it for sure. Yeah, but she knew how it worked, and so we did a little of that in house, and then well, then we did, you know, we were doing so much of that in house that we needed to. You know, we were like, should we just break this out? Because really, at the end of the day, the process was so much different. Like, we had, I mean, one of the hardest parts of, of, you know, as you grow is like, how do you create processes where things don't get messed up or things don't get lost and everyone knows what they're doing and And, you can run a lot of work through there. The merch project did not fit. Merch does not fit. Mm. Merch does not fit like designing something or or doing anything else that we did. Um, so we brought Sean in, uh, specifically to do that. And I think he did it for like a year before we decided two, to two years. spin out. Yeah. Two years. Show pony. Mm-hmm. So two years into it, we said, we said, Hey, you know, this is going great. Um, we think that there is far more opportunity for merch as its own company. 
um, because now Showpony has clients that don't know where Stewart even exists. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, our agency clients, when they need to get things made, we introduce them to Showpony and we want things to, to kind of go through our sister company to get made. But they have a ton of their own clients that are a fit for only merchandise programs, only, you know, customer retention boxes, right. employee appreciation, well, merch, all of that stuff. And conversely, we didn't want to put on the, the Ware Stewart website, get your koozies here. Yeah. You know, because we were trying to be a, you know, ad agency. Like a branding. Right. Yeah. Branding but we, strategy. But we, need, but we had this thing we had to support. So we didn't want to not talk about, you know, the fact that if you needed t-shirts or mugs or custom whatever that we could make it. But it just, it didn't, from a brand perspective... We couldn't fit it into where Stewart. Yeah. So we had the we had the thought. We felt really good about the strategy kind of moving forward as its own company. Love the and, name. And the name is great. And we said, Sean, you know, you gotta be the lead pony on this thing. Um, you know, to help us grow it. And he was psyched to do it. Um, uh, and has and has done a great job with it. So, you know, that company is growing uh, you know, uh, on its own and producing a lot of really great stuff and honestly making our work so much better. Um, we do client Valentines. We don't do, uh, and this is on, this is on our website. Shout out, uh, to us, I guess. Is that allowed? <laughs> yeah. I think and, so. uh, so isn't that what so, this entire thing so, is? Really? So whenever, whenever we have, whenever we have this ridiculous idea, the creatives don't necessarily know how to bring it into the world and make it real. So instead of Christmas gifts, we do client valentines and they're always like on the verge of lawsuit they make me so nervous because they're <laughs> kind of sexy they're always they got they got a little bit of innuendo kind they're of always a dirty. With them. uh kind of always a little bit dirty but but this year uh we did a great one that was really uh on the edge of uh clever and never uh which i like to say uh and those and and show pony um, you know, really deserves uh, a ton of the credit on, you know, that that client gift being as awesome as it is. Um, because when you combine the creatives of like a, a Leonard Zimmerman, you know, with the knowledge yeah. of production uh, with Lindsay um, and Sean at Showpony, like that's where the great work uh, is really coming from. So, and yeah, and when you're and when you tell LZ. <laughs> I need this to look uh, like a pack of rubbers. <laughs> listen, listen, y'all. Uh, nobody, have, no one, after, no one is ever going to know how much water we after, threw on yeah, proof one. After, after proof, proof one, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Proof one got thrown in a cold shower. After, uh, you, after you say that, there's like I, I would like to see proof one. There's honestly. like, there's well, like you're going to have to sign a release. There's <laughs> like, a, there's like three rounds of toning that down before the rest of the room can even see it. <laughs> Don't go anywhere. We'll be back to finish off this conversation with Alex and Daniel. But first, we always talk about how this is recorded at Augusta Podcast Studio, but I don't think we've ever really talked about what that is. So we're going to try to start communicating better about that. Augusta Podcast Studio is a project that we've launched to try to help people create podcasts in Augusta. If you think that you might be a creator or you might know a creator or you already have a production and you want to grow it, come find us at AugustaPodcast.com or find our social media, Augusta Podcast, wherever you are on social media. We really want to meet people that are creating in the city 
and your first recording is going to be free. Check out AugustaPodcast.com. And now we're back with more of Alex and Daniel. So I'm going to try to transition this. We'll see if I can do that. Go ahead. You said we'll, we'll allow it. You mentioned signing a release, uh, and you've kind of talked about doing, you know, some cool projects over the years. You know, what are some cool projects that you can talk about that you guys have worked on? You, you know, almost big like companies, a pinch big me project. mode. Yeah, whatever. A yeah, pinch oh, me moment, can, dude. We got tons of those. Um, so we are. I will say this. Uh, I don't know if anyone has worked harder than us. I mean, if they have over the last ten years, I mean. Damn, because, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, lucky for us, it's gotten to a point, you know, I got a bunch of kids now. Alex's kids are, are in high school and almost in high school. Uh, things are a lot different than they were 10 years ago, but it was every night, every weekend, forever. I didn't go to a single one of my friend's weddings. I was working every weekend at night. Alex was doing the same, putting kids down, getting back on the computer, doing all this stuff. And, uh, but at the same time, yes, tons of hard work but we have been extraordinarily lucky at the same time. And so these, these kind of pinch me moments, um, one of them in particular, which I will be, you know, proud to the day I die to have a part of it was the Augusta university rebrand. Yes. And you know, that for those that don't know, like universities don't rebrand, like they don't just decide out of the blue. Like there's a reason why when a university needs a new visual identity, the RFP goes out and 90 agencies are responding to it, right? right. It's, a, it's, a, it's a big deal. <clears throat> and um, we had started working with those guys when they were still GRU trying to, you know, do some marketing campaigns and things like that. And ultimately, they kind of tapped us to be the ones that were going to shepherd the transition from uh, GRU to Augusta University with all the consolidated colleges and entities, MCG, Georgia Health Sciences University, all that kind of stuff. And... I remember we walked into the office when we found out that we got the job and we pulled everybody in a big circle and said, all right, guys, we got, we got good news and we got bad news. The good <laughs> news is uh, they're changing the name to Augusta University. And everybody was cheering. And I said, <laughs> um, the bad news is if we screw it up, we all have to move. <laughs> can, I, can I tell the story of the day of the release of that thing? When I had my yeah. panic attack? Yeah. It wasn't a panic <laughs> No, it was Atkins flu. So, I, th- you know, again, like it's it's a lot of pressure. But I think it was one of those things where when we talked to them and we said like, you know, please don't let anyone else do it. Like we really, we have an understanding, not, not from a, a place of nepotism where we want to do it, but it's important for the town to get it right, you know. And right. so we wanted to do it because we were like, we know what this needs to be. Anyway, it was a it was a very you know it was great working with those guys, but it was a arduous process. I mean, a lot of people had to agree to and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, the day is coming. We're going to release it. We've got all these shirts we've made we're for flipping, people. We're flipping the books. They're going to they're going to come trade their merch in all this kind of stuff. And it's like we're getting up and we've got all this stuff we're going to do on, on social and the news and was there. and for and like and like Daniel's out. And, <laughs> and his brother calls me and he's like, I saw him. I don't know what's going on. I think he's had like some type of psychotic break. And I'm like, oh my God, the pressure just finally got to D and he just couldn't, he couldn't handle this being launched. That's BS. But what uh, had happened. Nah, that's BS. Was that I had the Atkins flu. He had had flu. the Atkins flu. So, and he had gone to a total non-carb diet. Yeah. 
And your wife had found this out, right? That there was a she died. There was a negative yeah, she, reaction. She, she that you just couldn't get she, out of the bed. I'm not saying that it wasn't somewhat anxiety induced, <laughs> but uh, listen, you can't lose weight if you don't gain weight. So I'm on about a three year cycle. I like to pack it on for three years, <laughs> and then I like to lose it all in about <laughs> two months. Mm, right? Sound, and, sounds like me. And that's what I that's what I like to do. It's the only way you're going to impress your friends. Right. <laughs> like losing weight slowly doesn't impress anybody. What you got to do is you got to be like, dang, is he sick? He looks great. <laughs> like, oh my God. So you got to crash it. You got to go no carbs. You got to crash it. People's going to, and then I'm telling you, like, if you want the, if you want the words of affirmation that I require. <laughs> yes. Um, you got to, you got to do it that way. Yeah. So uh, apparently if you only eat barbecue and chicken wings for six weeks, uh, there's a you there's have a, a very bo- hard a, time getting out of bed one day. A, there's a breaking point to that, <laughs> and, every, and everybody point. thinks that you've lost your mind. But I showed but up. You hadn't. I showed up. I rallied. He did. It was like Jordan flu game. I showed up. <laughs> I was there for the news. Very much like the flu game. Uh, I mean, the, MVP the, the, level the, the, performance. The, yes. Um, yes. The Jordan comparisons just keep rolling on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think uh, an, an, another one was, you know, really. Years before, we had said, like, oh, we'd like to be right next to the Soul Bar. You know, the Soul Bar is the coolest place in this town, and we want to be a cool business. And if we were right next to the Soul Bar, that would be cool. And, like, the place that we bought, which is next to the Soul Bar, wasn't even for sale at the time. We just caught wind of it through, like, a friend of a friend, and and we ended up getting it. So, actually, getting down on Broad Street was another one of those I mean, we had looked at all kinds of stuff to try to get on Broad, and we didn't think we could. We were going to get, like, like the mail room that was back on Ellis. Yeah, green, greens, like, all kinds of, all, all kinds of stuff. Just, yeah, so yeah. That, was, that was huge. Um, the, the Nash stuff, in, in, um, that was cool. The, um, I'll tell you what was really cool um, is, is being able to give back about 250000 bucks in Augusta with a with the we give a shirt thing that we that, do that was genius. I mean, Can you guys that, talk that about was, that? Like how that happened, what that yeah. was for people that well somehow you know, might not know. You know, like my brother JD owns Noble Jones, and God, that was that was rough timing. You know, because he had just started and it was shutting down, and and everything was starting to shut down. And I mean, you know, ours was kind of shutting down a little too. But it was like, you know, what can we do? And you look around and there's like people are doing funds like the, um, it's not the giving kitchen, but, or like, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah. Giving kitchen. You know, yeah. where it's like, oh, well you, you can donate money to this, but how do you know where it's going? You know, where we have specifically places like the sports center and Noble Jones and, you know, all these, all these places that we want to support. And, uh, uh, with West Childers who, you know, runs our interactive and, I mean, kind of everybody, but just this idea was like, okay, well, this will be a vehicle to give it directly to the people that, that, you know, can use it and it'll be fast and the onus will be on them to get it done. And I mean, we were, my mind was blown when we did sports center and Sandy managed to sell like 440 shirts. I thought, I thought we were going to raise a few hundred bucks total. Well, we were hoping between like the eight t-shirts that we launched first, first time. Listen, dude, it caught us so off guard um, uh, how well it, it went. And when we were talking about this campaign and, and launching it and how it could work, 
I mean, some of it was like, listen, new business shut all the way down. You know, no new projects were coming in. It was totally unbecoming of a of a biz dev guy to even call your clients and say, hey, sorry about this pandemic that's going on, but like, what about a website refresh? Like, you can't do that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, and, and we were worried about our team. Like, yeah. is our team going to freak out? Like, are they going to get nervous? Or, you know, are people going to get really worried that we're not, you know? And so, a tiny bit of having this homespun, uh, you know, initiative uh, that was super time consuming. I mean, we were doing 20 t-shirts a week between, you know, seven to 10 designers. Um, you know, it, it, it gave our company like this extra purpose during the time when it was really sketchy. This is before anybody knew that they were going to get PPP or, right. or, oh, yeah. or any of that. So this we, is when we were all quarantined in our homes. Dude, we were yeah. all at home. My yeah. kids were going nuts. Yeah. Um, well, and we thought too, like in, in the way that, you know, the way that just making t-shirts goes is like, you have to have a minimum of 50 or you can't print them. So right. like the first couple we did, we're like, God, I hope they can sell 50. Cause if they sell 40, we can't get the shirts <laughs> to give everybody <laughs> their money back or whatever. <laughs> And like I said, Sandy out of the gate, who they don't really, they don't have any social media presence or anything. She did 440. And so that was uh, 4,400, you know, $4,440 check we gave to Sandy with like in a week. That's awesome. You know, and then it just, no, then it, everybody just hit it and it, like backlogged it so bad, like Daniel was saying. Then it turned into like, God, how many of these can we get done in a week? And so it was, I think it was, it was 10 on Tuesday, 10 on Friday. And there were so, there were so many businesses we, getting we, we, couldn't, we, we couldn't get to, um, that we felt terrible about and, you know, but we could, you know, we still had client work and we still had to kind of get it done with this on top of it. But man, that was, that was one of the best things that, that our company and show pony, I mean, we're Stuart and show pony. I mean, that's, that's something that, I mean, that's going to be pretty tough to beat. I hope we do, because that would be something, obviously, yeah. super I, awesome. I mean, but, like, that's, to the, like, in company history, I mean, that's on that's on the Mount Rushmore of cool things that we've done. And that sure. was going to be the one things on the on the drop to this thing, not to get into that too early, but, you know, the fact that, the, that everyone here, like, did that. You know, like, you'll see people wearing the shirts, which is also great for the companies that had shirts made, but, you know... We had friends that bought over the course of that thing, probably bought, you know, 20 shirts or 30 shirts or yeah, like they were just, yeah, there were people the that would just, that would buy one every time it came out just to help out the people that you my know, that wife is one of them. Yeah. Sorry. We've got like 50 of y'all shirts. Yeah. Sorry about that, bro. No, they're all cool so, shirts. It's all are. good. And the so money so, went where it needed so, to go. They're so soft. Oh, yeah. They're so nice. soft. You'll sleep in them. Yeah. All right. So one more, one more <laughs> yeah. on the, on the pinch yourself thing. Um, and this happened, this happened last year. Um, it has from the very beginning, the first time we ever made a client wish list, this client was on it. Um, and it finally happened and it was doing campaign work for our city with the Augusta convention and visitors bureau. Yeah. And, you know, doing work for, for Augusta in the destination marketing category, um, has been on our list for forever. And, uh, you know, because we are huge homers of this town. Um, and so having the opportunity, um, and we, we pitched it, I think it was kind of, you know, companies like that, 
typically do an agency RFP maybe every three years. Yeah. Um, and so we were involved in, in the last two and, and, and didn't get it. And, and one of the first yeah, times didn't get it. Didn't and, get it. And, and one of the first times was because we couldn't also manage the media buying aspect of the account. And so, you know, when we didn't get it seven years ago and it was like, well, the reason is we really need somebody that can wrap up media. Then we go back to the lab and we start figuring out how do we build up our media buying capabilities so that we can have this kind of account in the future. And so um, uh, when, when we won the business, um, I think at the end of, of, of 2019, I mean, that was a major high five moment uh, between me and Alex, um, but also the pressure is there. When you are marketing the, the city to people that don't live here to come visit, you know, you've got a major responsibility for the work to be really authentic, to be representative of the folks that live here. Um, and, uh, and, and really kind of embody the spirit of, of what Augusta is. And Augusta is, is, is not small, but it's not huge. And it is weird. (laughs) I mean, it has got all kinds of flavors, right? From, from military to the James Brown stuff, to the, to the international brand with golf and, and all these things. I mean, there is not a city in America like Augusta, Georgia, so, you know, having the responsibility to, to, to communicate what we love about it to folks that may want to come visit is heavy. So you got to get it right. Right. And uh, having the opportunity to do that is not lost on us. Um, uh, and, and we a- a- appreciate it so much. And, 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 and that's, you know, doing that in a pandemic year, you know, is, is you know, an, an extra added hurdle, you know, on top of it. Um, you know, but our partners over there, um, with great leadership, uh, with Benish, um, and, and that kind of thing is, has, has been great. So, um, you know, we've been downtown since 2011 and we've seen it change a bunch and I have not, I'm not a consummate optimist. I'm a little bit more of a realist. So I, I get excited when I see cranes going up and like buildings coming out of the ground than I do like the rumors that something is coming. Um, and, uh, somebody like me, uh, I'm more excited than ever on on where downtown is going and the folks that are moving in, our friends and clients, Tax Slayer, being right across the street from us uh, doing that in 2018. It is, it is all happening. I just wish that more small business owners, service industry-based folks uh, uh, would, would realize what our downtown is and can be. Um, it is... It is so rich with opportunity. Um, the the cost of of planting your flag in downtown Augusta is a lot different than it is in, in many other markets. Um, and uh, we wouldn't be anywhere else. Um, I wouldn't move where Stewart headquarters to any other city in the country. What was the question? <laughs> I I think y'all just kept talking. So that was the <laughs> no, that was the final pinch me the moment, pinch me though, moment because oh, you know, oh, the pinch working yeah. with the Augusta oh, no, Convention um, Bureau. My uh, my sixteen year old daughter thinks it's really cool that we got to do a um, poster for Cage the Elephant. That is cool. I gotta that go dig that super out. Super cool. That is really cool. Makes love that one. Mm. I want to see that one. Can you guys send us that? <laughs> I want to post that. Yeah, we probably yeah. have a bunch of those things. We used to do yeah. posters. We've for got Sky a U-Haul for, full for, for Sky <laughs> City back in the day. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a. But that was cool. The, the, yeah, the only hobby that 
you lose more money in is golf than screen printing posters in your garage. <laughs> and now we're going to go into the drop the disc question presented by Tranner Gray. This is an incredible media group based out in Evans, Georgia. They've won multiple Emmy awards for the work that they have done. Trainer Gray works on commercials. They work on advertisements. They work on anything that can market your company, but they also give back to the community. One of the things that we've been able to partner up with them and is with our Augusta Rocks concerts. They're gonna be live streaming those um, concerts to anybody not only, check out www.augustarocks.com. That website was designed by Trainer Gray. That logo was designed by Trainer Gray. They do incredible work. Check them out, Trainer Gray Media. We are kind of hitting the top end of our time, but we do have a way that we wrap up every episode. So I'm going to kind of throw it over to Chris. This is my favorite question. This is usually the only question I ask, but I had some fun today. So uh, anyways, you know, we're Drop the Disc Podcast. We talk about... Augusta and we shed light on this great city um the way we end the episode is if someone were to walk up to you and talk negatively about Augusta Georgia what would your response be to them and I want to kick it to you Mr. Ware okay that's good uh one depending on if I were bigger than them I might try to whoop their ass. Oh, what a badass. Because <laughs> I don't like that kind of what talk about my town. <laughs> no, I mean, I think if you, I, I think if you're talking negatively about it, you just, you don't have any idea of what's going on here. I've got, you know, a lot of friends in a lot of different places. And uh, one of them in particular is the um, economist for uh, Synovus Bank. And he comes through town about twice a year and he stays with me and he does this presentation where he talks to all the real estate developers and bankers and stuff. Um, and he's kind of forecasting what he sees in the future and what he sees in, in the different markets is, markets that Synovus does. And he says, man, every time I come to Augusta, he's like, yeah, guys, you, you know, when we were buying our building, he was like, it would be a zillion dollars somewhere else. You know, mm. he's like, you guys are, are incredibly resilient the mix of, of the military and education and manufacturing and cyber and all that kind of stuff. He's like, you guys are just bulletproof. It's just a great, great place to live. My wife is not from here. She loves it. You know, where's she from? She's from Atlanta, from just South of Atlanta. And, uh, you know, we moved from there after we'd been there a while. Right. Commute is great. You know, we own property downtown. That wouldn't happen anywhere else. A rump. I don't think. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying it's it, it, it's doable. You know, you can do it. Right. And I think one of the great things that's beginning to happen here with all the stuff that's going on, like you guys doing what you're doing here, is that people are beginning to realize, which when we first started, I don't think they did, like there are people here that are capable of doing it. Like if you need a high-level service, you don't need to go out of town for it you know, that, that stuff is here. So consultancies and all that kind of stuff. I think we're just starting to move all that stuff in. I mean, since we've been on broad, it's just rolling through. Um, and I just think this is a place where you can have a great life and you can, you can make a difference. If you want to, you can get involved in all kinds of stuff and you can move the needle. And I lived in Atlanta and unless you were, 0.005% of that population, that's not going to happen. 
So yeah. you, you would say all that to one person that talked. I'm just kidding. I would. Well, they would already <laughs> well, be on the ground. Right. That would be so. right. That would be whether or not. <laughs> I'm just messing with you. <laughs> They're like on the ground. He's sitting by him talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, you know, but I'll, I'll say this too, not to, but I haven't heard a lot of that lately. You know, there was a lot. I haven't heard someone say the term. He, that we will not say on this we podcast. Will not. Thanks. Uh, I haven't heard he, anybody he might, say that. Alex in a long time. actually might say all that stuff to a person because when we go, <laughs> when we fly somewhere on a plane, <laughs> he's gonna make a friend on the plane, and and I'm kind of like, I'm kind of the opposite. I'm not like not friendly or anything, but like I'm, he's he's doing that. He's yeah, already doing that. Yeah, I am kind of jealous that he did fly with the dog from the Bushes Baked Bean I did. Uh, franchise. Oh, nice. You know, the one that, that oh, speaks. Yeah. Roll that yeah. beautiful bean. Like, he met he an that autograph? dog. His he name is Duke. He, he wasn't even the most important advertising person on that plane <laughs> that was human. <laughs> Duke was very nice. Duke, Duke was nice. <laughs> so, yeah. so, Daniel, I'm, I'm assuming that you're done, Alex. Sure. Probably. Unless, would you like anything else? No, you're good. Daniel, what would you say to someone... <laughs> That talks negatively about the city, or or might say that word that we don't. Talk I mean, about. I guess I would probably have to ask them where they were from, mm. you know, and get some context over over where they Ooh, were, and where, then talk about where, that where place. they were coming from, <laughs> and then I would flip it on them. No, but seriously, I think that uh, you know, um, a, a town like Augusta, uh, for folks that that don't live here and don't understand it, you know, the spotlight is on us, um, you know, one week in April. And, you know, we have this, 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 this big, beautiful event, um, that the, the world kind of turns their, their eyes to us and it, and it happens in our, you know, little town. Uh, and I think that, uh, for folks that aren't from here and don't know anything about Augusta, the, the duality of, of, of what we are every other, the week of the year and that year like scrambles their brain. Right. right. So when you have the literal top of the mountain in terms of brand category in golf um, in your backyard and you have an event like the, the golf tournament is, um, you know, and then you have, you know, our downtown, which is up and coming and small and military and somewhat transient from a, um, you know, medical industry standpoint. Um, I think folks that aren't from here. Uh, you know, find it a little easy to pick on, um, which is uh, just, I don't know, weird. Um, uh, who, uh, you know, if you, if you wanted to be the epicenter of the sports universe for one week a year, would you take it? I think you probably would. You know what I mean? If, 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 uh, I don't know. I mean, what's, so let's say like, you know, cricket becomes super popular in America and you know and this is this is a huge hypothetical and and tifton (laughs) and tifton georgia becomes the cricket capital of the world for a week they take it i could see some people being like those people in tifton oh them and their cricket you know whatever the cricket court's really nice but right now everything else there's there's an applebee's yeah there's an applebee's that is just (laughs) not as classy whatever i mean it's just uh you know it always uh it, you know, it, it kind of drives me nuts from that standpoint. Yeah, so I would ask them where they were from, were from, and I would uh, maybe try to get a little bit more info. But I feel uh, it doesn't really make me mad because somebody like me, who is a housing major at Georgia, uh, I mean, 
what what was I going to be? What was I be- going to become? Who knows? I could have, you know, who knows what was my trajectory was going to be coming out of college. But in this town, I could have a house and a dog and a wife and a yard and and have all this opportunity to to start my business life and my family and kids and, and all that stuff. Um, and uh, I think it's perfect. Um, you know, I, I love, and we, you know, we're in close proximity, you know, if your favorite band is not going to come through Augusta, you're only two hours away from a city where they will come. You can make the trip, whatever. Right. Um, but you don't have to deal with, you know, I got a five minute commute to work, you know, American by birth, Augustan <laughs> by the grace of God. That's right. You know, so <laughs> is that a t-shirt I, I guess, that's coming out or, you know, sure. and again, and again, you know, I'd have to be a little bit careful about how strong my stance on it was. Um, because you know, I haven't lived in Atlanta. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go to New York for four years after college or, or whatever. I definitely didn't go to Vail. Like a lot of my buddies in college did, they never came back. You know what I mean? Like, you know what they do out there. You just, you, there's no coming back from that. Like you don't, you don't start, you don't start saying like, oh man, working on this ranch stinks. I need more responsibilities and problems. So I didn't do any of that stuff. So it would be hard for me to, um, uh, to judge it that way. Right. But uh, I did that one summer. I came back Keystone. Mm. Oh yeah. The yeah. beer. Mm-hmm. No, the that's the, where the that's where the ten percent <laughs> of his memory went. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that was pre pre things in Colorado. It was all right. Yeah. So also, also you know, uh, okay, this came up. Remember the Augusta isn't cool stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna pause and think about this for a second so that I don't say anything that makes this sound terrible. All right. So. <laughs> No. So and w- in in pre- under previous leadership of the university, um, uh, back when it what? was still back when it was still GRU, okay. um, <laughs> somebody published or said something. They basically said, you know, one of the issues with Augusta growth was that Augusta wasn't wasn't cool, and you know, like use those words like it wasn't cool or whatever. And then all of these entities and people just like were up in arms <laughs> at that statement. I can't believe it. So they had a symposium right <laughs> above us in the Pinnacle Club. You remember this luncheon? Mm-hmm. So we went to a luncheon in the Pinnacle Club, and there were all these people. And we got invited because I guess they figured we were like cultural influencers because we had a cool company. But there were all kinds of people in this room. And, uh, you know, leadership from around the city was standing up, uh, you know, kind of uh, talking about the fact that a, a phrase was published that said we weren't cool. <laughs> And somebody got up and they had made like a 25 slide presentation <laughs> on why Augusta is cool. That's awesome. No. No. No, it's not. <laughs> because, no. Here, so, if you are the coolest guy in your high school. You're not doing you're a not PowerPoint you're about you it. You're right. Tra- you just you're right. drive a Trans Am. Yep. And you're smoking cigs in the parking lot. <laughs> and you're dating the captain of the cheerleading squad or whatever. And if somebody comes up to you and says, do you're not, not do cool. This. And it, if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, you're not cool. Do you know what the coolest guy in school does? He goes, whatever. <laughs> you're right. And goes about his business you're being right. cool. You're right. Which yeah. is what we should have done the whole time. Because people in Augusta that understand its value and want to start businesses here and know this, don't, like, like you don't need the PowerPoint. You just need to live it, right? And just watch what's happening around you. 
like TaxSlayer is a massive, so, so, so to, a massive company. So to boil your 15-minute answer <laughs> down to, to when he asked, your answer to what do you say when someone disses Augusta, you say, whatever. Basically. I feel like when I start to shine, <laughs> when, I, when I really start to shine... He just breaks me down. But you know what? That's it's not, a marriage. You, you know, it's a huge mistake. That's a marriage. That's not, it, no, it's a huge mistake. That's not a it criticism. only makes me stronger. No, it only makes me stronger. It only, your Daniel, hate, your, Alex, hate is, your hate is a gift. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in Seriously. today. Um, we would love to do this again. Absolutely. Uh, I feel like we could sure. do another hour and a half and we could not repeat any of the things that we did. And we would have a great time. Yeah. Uh, More beer, maybe at Stillwater. Yeah, we'd repeat know. the drink. Hey, take, it, take it live. Take oh. it on the road. Oh, yeah. Live let's do it. So as this airs, we will have done our first live event two days ago uh, on this last Friday. So if that goes well, then we're very excited. <laughs> okay. If not, you may not hear from us about it. Yeah, um, just, just cut that part out. <laughs> right. Uh, I'll know on Saturday what to leave in. I'm still uh, trapping, uh, trying to wrap my mind around when this airs live Sunday. two Sunday. days This will air on Sunday. And Friday. Two days from now. <laughs> two in days. In the future, you would have done your live. When, when they say this airs on Sunday, you should just say, I'm busy, because that's what the cool guy also says. <laughs> or or whatever. 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 <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Good luck, and then guys. You, and then you throw your cigarette out. I and hope you burn, it's great. A, you, burn, you burn a wheel. You peel a wheel right. out of the parking yeah. lot of Richmond Academy. Put your jean jacket back on. You put your jean jacket back on. <laughs> Can I smoke in here? Anyway, we've interrupted for the millionth time. I'm sorry. Thank you guys so David. much for being here. We really we really Thanks, did love guys. it. Thank you to Chris Hall, uh, who's been here taking pictures the entire time. Yes. Uh, shout out to Pie Hole. Um, Chris is a big Pie Hole guy. Uh, and they are in West Augusta. Check them out. Thank you to everyone that tuned into this episode of the Drop the Disc podcast recorded at Augusta Podcast Studio. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please make sure you tell a friend, rate, or review the show. Uh, like us on social media. Get in touch with us. Uh, we really want to create a community around this thing we're doing. Uh, and speaking of our community, though, here's Chris with Around Augusta. Hey guys, this is Chris with Around Augusta. I want to apologize about last week. David had to fill in for me. I had lost my voice. So, moving on. Um, I've got two things on the docket for today. Um, we've got, we, I've told y'all about Taco Cat coming downtown off uh, 10th and Broad, but I want to talk a little bit about um, another business that's coming to that same area called Faux Ramenal. This is going to be a ramen restaurant, which is super cool. That's the whole buzz going around right now. It's trending to have fancy ramen. And I'll tell you right now, I am very excited about this place coming to town. Also, where Denny's used to be on Washington Road, there is going to be a Two Bros Pizza coming in, which I think is really cool. Something new to Augusta and something to be put into that old space. Um, and also, be on the lookout, March 8th, First Watch is opening off of Crane Creek Drive. This is off close to Davis Road. Um, First Watch, if you've never been, 
is a healthy brunch location. It is a franchise, but it's a super delicious franchise. Check them out. And that is all I have for Round Augusta. If there is any news or rumors that you've heard, feel free to email us at dropthediskpod at gmail.com. Thank you guys. Have a great day. Yeah.